I'm Norma. And I'm Amanda. And we're the ladies of How I Met My Murder, an Alabama true crime podcast. We cover everything from cults to serial killers to just plain weird crime. All with giggles and a few rabbit holes along the way. Find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Twitter at How underscore Murder or Instagram at How I Met My Murder. And stay up to date on what's coming. Bye! The body of 34-year-old Nicole Brown Simpson, ex-wife of O.J. Simpson, was found... Really believe Kurt Cobain is dead. Millions of people mourned the tragic death of John Lennon today. Struggles to come to terms with the death of Princess Diana. Waiting for... I wonder what I'm going to eat for dinner. Mm. Out on your own tonight? Bloomin' Onion, yeah. Oh, I'm Lord. obsessed with Bloomin' Onions. Wow. I don't know if you've realized by now. Maybe we could record from Outback. Ooh. Yes. Live. Live. On location. Yes. Get out of We've gone down under. Ah. We've gone international. That counts, right? Yeah, sure. So I have um, this friend that I used to work with at Disney that's now engaged to her um, Australian sweetheart. They met in high school. It's just the cutest. But That's so annoying, but it sounds cute. So he came over here in high school from Australia, and okay. he saw an Outback <laughs> or a commercial and was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, this is the Australian restaurant we have. And he's like, there's literally Nothing none of this in Australia. Australia. Yeah. This is all bullshit. <laughs> Have I told you before I ate kangaroo? Have we talked about that? I think you mentioned it, and, and I Australian told you dinner? I haven't eaten anything more, like, crazier than lamb. That's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Yeah, and it was gross, and I hate Caviar? It. No. No? Absolutely not. Why not? Because no. <laughs> Why? Ew. Because no. you never had the opportunity? So, first of all, I don't like fish. Fine. It's not really fish, but it's go on. fish eggs. Okay, but... Which is even worse... I don't eat chicken eggs. I'm not going to eat fish eggs. Wait, you don't eat eggs? No. Why? It's a chicken's period. It's really gross. It's literally not, though. It is, though. <clears throat> okay, moving on. <clears throat> um, Welcome to Fame and Misfortune. Yeah. What about escargot? No. Why? Why would I want to eat a snail, first of all? It's so Second good. of all, I'm not going to kill anything. That's I mean. didn't kill it. Well, you have to put the salt on it. What? Salt. It's already dead. I don't like it. Okay, like no. It's this. cooked in butter okay. and garlic. Okay. We're already beyond salting there and killing shells. it. There are shells. I'm not, not, I'm not the this. shelf. I'm I'm not the chef. I'm literally going to France and Epcot and getting like their escargot and little nope. bread bowls and their nope. little brioche. Little tiny brioche capsules. It's big, so fat, good. Giant nope. And so the only reason I started eating escargot is a big thanks to my high school teacher for mm-hmm. early child development. Um, after a weekend field trip to like a conference mm-hmm. in Orlando, we stopped at a French restaurant that used to be by my parents' house, um, and she ordered a round of escargot for the table. You and she dared us all. To try it because it was Ew. a new thing. None of us had ever had it. Ew. We were all kind of like, no, but oh my god, it's so good. I think you're lying. And I'm not lying because I'm not lying. It's nasty. really good. I was fairly impressed. And then I really never had it again until I went, like Epcot has it during the Food right. and Wine Festival in France. So that's great. It's delicious. It's the best thing. 
Oh, and you can get it on a cruise, and you can get it at the French restaurant all the time. Okay. Have you ever been to that French restaurant? Which one? The sit-down fancy one. They have two. Not the super, super fancy one, the other one. So they have They're, Chefs de France. Yes, Chefs de France. Uh, and then they have the other one that's now run yeah. by some guy that I don't know his name. Yeah, no, not the super, super um, fancy. I have never been. Back out. But I one. have, because I used to work at Epcot, mm-hmm. um, I have had their lobster bisque. And it oh, is so good. So also fucking had good. that. Very, very Amazing. good. Did you hear the clown thing again? Yes, I don't know what, what that is. What is happening? practicing like a trombone somewhere? Okay, so last time we recorded at my apartment, there was a dude doing, doing karate. Karate. Like, with nunchucks. Yeah, like kata stuff at right. the top Hard, of the hill. Like, mm-hmm. literal grown adult man with a black belt and a gi on. Yeah. Um, and so now we've got motherfucking Bozo the Clown running around outside. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's really weird. Honking a horn. It is like a bike horn type My thing. My apartment's I don't haunted. Know. It's weird, but it's fine. Kangaroo's good, more to okay. the point. So, um, yeah, this of Australian is... Australian food. <laughs> not actually being Australian food. <laughs> this is fame and misfortune. It is. Um, and we're also talking about famous international cuisine <laughs> in addition to um, celebrities and yes. true crime. Yes. So, um, I'm Erin. I'm Stephanie. We are recording this. We are. And you're listening to this. So, again, I will state at the top of the hour, if you want something informative, it's not here. Get out. Bye. It is informative, but in a casual way. In a we-don't-have-our-shit-together way. It's fine. In a we're-more-entertaining-when-we-don't-have-our-shit-together kind of way. Yeah. Look, I have a lot of structure and everything else. Why do I want that in my podcast? That's fair. I'm just here to tell you about things. Yeah, and chat about it and have real conversations about things that have happened. You may or may not hear my stomach growling because I'm very hungry. And she really wants that authentic Australian blooming onion. Let me get at that blooming onion. Anyway. Take me down under. I guess it's my turn. (laughs) Lord, help me. Please. (sighs) No one can save you in the outback. I guess. (laughs) Only yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it, I it swear to God, practicing like trumpet or something. Um, I'm gonna go ahead adult. and maintain it that it's, it's Pennywise. Okay, it could be that. <clears throat> um, so I guess it's me now. Yeah, it's Stephanie's turn. And I have a little bit. I have three people to talk about. Um. But mostly in. because they are they're kind of short, mm-hmm. but um, they're just interesting. Are they I tied th- together? Sort of. There's, I mean, yes and no. Um, there are similarities between two of them um, as far as the circumstances and the weirdness and mm-hmm. the people just not seeming sure that what they've said happened is really the answer is to what happened. Okay, so all of these are like mysteries? Yes, kind okay. of. I would say that the coroner says they're solved, but right. there's details and aspects of it that seem not quite right. Okay. So fans and family, of course, have felt like there's been a little bit of injustice or mm-hmm. it's not really the answer that they've said. So Got it. First up in my little trio is going to be Paul Williams. Um... If the name doesn't sound familiar, he was with The Temptations. He was in a couple different groups before The Temptations. So, um, you know, small time. The Primes was one of them. And I believe he also performed, like, during school and stuff. Um, Sure. 
very popular um, church choir. Um, he has, looks like, um, they moved to Ohio. That's what happened. Okay. So, um, the trio, so he was in, when he's with the Primes, they moved to Ohio and eventually found a manager in Milton Jenkins who moved the group to Detroit, which we all know is the home of Motown mm-hmm. music. Um, the Primes never actually recorded anything. They were actually, they were successful in their performances. No albums, but they had So they a were just kind of like known about town? Correct. Um, and even launched a spin-off female group called the Primettes, who later became the Supremes. Ah, I was so. going to say, I know the, the Supremes. Yes. So, there you go. Um, they're responsible. In 1961, Kel Osborne, who was a member of the Primes, moved to California, and then the Primes disbanded. Important question. Yes. Did he love orange soda? He did. I'm sure he did. He must have. Absolutely. Got it. Um, he does, he does, and he does <laughs> love orange soda. Well, that's it, folks. Bye. <laughs> we're done. Then now, now we're done here. The podcast is over, officially, when you start making Kenan and Kel references. No? It's not? No. I mean, I was... No, no, no. Yes, I'm Good into Burger, it. Home of the Good Burger? Yes. Can I take your order? Can I take your order? Please. Mm-hmm. I know some of these um, words. I'd like a Good Burger with <laughs> <and> fries. <laughs> That's going to be my dinner. Oh, speaking of Australia, we're having so, lamb burgers for dinner tonight. Tonight? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Aldi sells it. Ew. No, Grand why? Lamb. Ew. Are you kidding? Yeah, no, I'm so serious. It's really sheep. You know, lamb meat is really like sheep. Like are grown. so fucking cute. So are cows. Want, don't do this to me, Stephanie. I've seen you eat. I can't handle this right now. I'm just saying. They're here Ugh. to provide. Okay, Cal. Not Mitchell. The okay. other Cal. Cal Mitchell. Kid and Cal. Come on. I know. Lord. I'm back. Hi. Anyway. <laughs> Kendricks, the other member of the Primes, yes. returned to Alabama, but he did come back to visit Paul in Detroit shortly after. While on this visit, he and Paul had learned that Otis Williams, head of a rival Detroit and known act known as The Distance, mm-hmm. had two openings in his group's lineup. Paul Williams and Kendricks joined Otis Williams, Melvin Franklin, and Elbridge Bryant to form the Elgins, who signed to local Motown label in 1961. After first changing their name to The Temptations. So now mm. The Temptations are born. Um, and we all know that they just basically launched into fame. I mean, right. especially even now. Like instant very, stardom. Yes. Um, they had a record deal. Are they Williams. Sugar Pie Honey Bun? Is that them? No. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, I'm going to Google it, though. Cause I you know be... that I love you. Can't I can't help myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could be. They probably are. Nope. Four tops. Yep. Four tops. Not the Temptations. They're also a Motown group. So you're in the right genre. Hmm. We're in the right family. Different band. Sorry if that insulted anybody. And they're probably all yelling at us. No, it's not them. Sorry. <laughs> they did have a series of failed singles. Um... But they finally hit the Billboard Top 20 in 1964 with The Way You Do the Things You Do. Mm-hmm. Um, and more hits followed with My Girl, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and I Know I'm Losing You. 
Um, William sang lead on several of the group's songs and served as the main lead singer during the group's early years. Um, He was considered the Temptations' best dancer, so he actually ended up serving as the group's original choreographer, Mm -hmm. um, devising routines for his group and the Supremes, and most notably their trademark Stop in the Name of Love routine, which I'm sure we can all see in our head. Mm -hmm. Um, And ended up that Charlie Atkins took over that role for all of Motown's acts, so Williams was not really any longer the choreographer. Um, So then, um, moving on to more personal things about Williams. So he, it doesn't say here, but he is married. It's not really discussed at the beginning of his life, but he is a married man. Okay. Um, He suffered from sickle cell anemia, which frequently caused a lot of damage to his physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, However, in 1965, Williams began an affair with Winnie Brown, who was a hairstylist for the Supremes and a a relative of Supremes member Florence Ballard. Mm -hmm. Um, Although he was in love with Brown, he was still devoted to his wife and children. So he was still married, having an affair that clown again <laughs> um, but he also had become depressed because right. of losing the choreography and it was position. seemingly somewhat well known like it feels like a lot of people knew about this yes. other relationship it wasn't exactly sure. a secret correct okay. um i'm sure wife stayed at home took care of kids right and at this time you just kind of eat do, it you right. know you deal with it right and you know i think sensitive to it but also right. like He's not leaving her. She can't really afford for probably for him to mm-hmm. leave her. He's yeah. very much still, yeah. So, um, so he was feeling like you know part of his role was a little obsolete, mm-hmm. not quite whole. Um, and life on the road was unfortunately starting to take its toll on him. And he had previously consumed nothing stronger than milk, which I mean, there's nothing. I mean, milk's not strong. There's right. nothing in it. Um, he actually began drinking heavily Cavassier. Oh. Um, which, according to Otis Williams, was hard to take. So, it's yeah. difficult well, seeing their friend like that. Yeah. Um, but, however, four years later in 1969, Williams and Brown opened a celebrity fashion boutique in downtown Detroit. So, this is Williams and his girlfriend? Yes. Okay. So, now they open a business. So I'm guessing it's on the down low. I wonder how his wife felt about that. Yeah, well, I'm guessing it was down low enough. I mean, I'm guessing she didn't know. Right. Because I can't imagine if she knew, she'd really approve of this. Exactly. So if the boys knew, it's the boys' club. Exactly. You're not going to know kind of thing. Well. Um, Anyway, it wasn't successful, and they... He found himself owing more than eighty thousand in taxes, which is equivalent in two thousand seventeen to five hundred thirty-three thousand eight hundred and sixty-six dollars. Holy shit! So huge for that time. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, his health had also continued to deteriorate due to mm-hmm. his sickle cell anemia, um, and sometimes he would be unable to perform, suffering from combinations of being exhausted and pain, which he combated with the drinking. Which is very, very heavy. Yes. Um, They all tried to do what they could to help Williams. Um, They'd alternate between raiding and draining his alcohol stashes. They would do personal interventions. 
and would even keep oxygen tanks backstage. So, you know. Yeah. Um, Those are some Doing good everything, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> as his health continued to decline and so did the quality of his performances and he refused to see a doctor. Mm. The Boys. Um, yeah. So, they ended up the Temptations ended up enlisting an on-hand fill-in. So basically, Richard Street was a lead singer from another Motown act, The Monitors, and had been lead singer of The Distance, which was the pre... was a group Otis was in before he was with The Temptations. They oh, okay. created that. Um, he was hired to travel with them and sing all of William's parts, except for the special numbers, such as Don't Look Back and For Once in My Life, and he would just stand backstage behind a curtain and sing for him. No. And Williams would lip sync. So our original Millie Vanilli situation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, that's yep. what it is, right? Yeah, no, you're right. I just wasn't ready for that reference. I, mean, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. Oh, I there mean, it Britney is. Spears is Britney that's Spears. It. Millie right. Vanilli was other people. So when I think of lip syncing, I instantly think of um, Ashley Simpson on... Oh. SNL. That was bad. I felt so so bad for her. I hate Ashley Simpson. Do you? I always have. I want to say it goes back to me being, you know, 13 and being in love with Simple Planning and Charlotte and her dating Joel? Somebody. No. And I was real mad about it. She dated Pete Wentz and Fallout. That's what it was. And she married him and and had a baby. I was real mad about it. You know who I'm mad about? Hmm. Cameron Diaz. Oh, yep. And fucking Joel? Or no, Benji. And Nicole. It's okay, because I didn't love Joel. I like Benji, but I mean... Yeah, who didn't love Benji? I know. With the Liberty Spikes? And I'm like, I'm a Cameron. (laughs) Come on. Wait, are you a Diaz or are you an Olsen? I'm both. You have to pick. I mean, I'm normal. My point was that I'm a normal girl. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... Right. You're run-of-the-mill. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, back to the story. So lip syncing. Yeah. Like Millie Vanilli. Um, so, but if he was not well enough to go on at all, then Street would take his place entirely. Right, yes. Um, and stand in for him. So, he was the understudy. Yeah. Like we learned last time. <laughs> um, in April of 1971, he was finally, Williams was finally persuaded to go see a doctor. The doctor found a spot on his liver and advised him that it was time to retire. Mm-hmm. So he did. Um, Street became his permanent replacement. In support of helping Williams get back on his feet, the Temptations continued to pay Williams his same one-fifth share of the group's earnings and kept Williams on their payroll as an advisor and choreographer, and Williams continued to help the group with routines and dance moves for the next two years. Wow. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, They didn't have to do it. That's my favorite thing, that they just kept him on. They're like, you know what? Yeah, life is hard. Things suck. But yeah, here you go. Absolutely. You did so much for us. Here's money. Yep. So I think that's wonderful. Um, and they were just great all the way through. Not yeah. only, you know, trying to stop him from being an alcoholic. I trying feel like to they did everything they could. Do everything they could mm-hmm. to help him through his disease. And then when he yep. couldn't perform anymore, just kind of. Yeah. It's very sad. That's awesome. Um, so he did end up making a return to Motown in 73 um, to Hitsville, USA recording studios and began working on some solo material. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kendricks had actually quit The Temptations just before Williams left, so that was one of his friends from his band. Um, he had produced and co-wrote Williams' first single, Feel Like Given Up. Um, 
But in August 17th of 1973, Paul Williams was found dead in an alley in a car, having just left the new house of his then-girlfriend after an argument. A gun was found near his body. His death was ruled a suicide by the coroner. So he's sitting in his car and he kills himself? Yes. Out in front of his girlfriend's apartment building, you said? In an alley. Oh, okay. Not near the house. Okay. Um, well, it doesn't say not near the house, but not. It doesn't seem like it's Not right. directly in Correct. front of the house. Okay. Um, so it was said that he had had expressed some suicidal thoughts to Otis Williams and Melvin Franklin months before his death. Um, months, though. Months? Yes. A lot can change in a month. Correct. Um, so there, his funeral was held on August 24th. Um, he was survived by his wife, so still married, Mary Agnes Williams, even though he had a new girlfriend, uh-huh. um, and five children, Sarita, Kenneth, Paula, Mary, and Paul Jr. Um, and he had three other children, Paul Williams, Lucas, Anthony Johnson, and Derek Vineyard. So he had two kids named Paul. Yeah, that's Which were was- essentially... Juniors. Oh, well, he had two Pauls, and he had a Paula. Yes. feels very narcissistic to Yes. Me. With three different girlfriends. So those were each different girlfriends. Yep. Um, Jeez, he had a full plate. He did. A lot to pay for, so thank God they kept it on his payroll. Because yeah. it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, plus a new girlfriend. Yes. And whatever new girlfriend needs. Correct. And then the back taxes I from the boutique. and Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Um... So, it seems cut and dry at first glance, mm-hmm. but his family um, came to suspect some foul play because, according to the coroner, Williams had used his right hand to shoot himself on the left side of his head, which we all know is about impossible. Right, yeah, because even, like, if you reach across, you still have to, like, you either have to use your thumb and... It's Which, just but why? Not. It doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, if you 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 have a perfectly good left hand. If right. If you're trying to shoot yourself on the left side, do it, or shoot or, yourself on the right side. Correct. It doesn't make any right sense. Well, if you're sitting in a driver's seat though, and like your most exposed side is your left side, so if he's shot in the left side of the head, is your most exposed side the left? No, the right because it's all. Well, open if you're in a car here. and someone's walking up, you know what I mean? Like they could shoot you. Right yeah, side. yeah, yeah. Well, that's why that's suspicious. But, like, if, let's say, it wasn't... And right. If it was just, a like, suicide, it makes more sense to hold your arm out. Correct. And- um, in addition, a bottle of alcohol was found near William's left side as if he had dropped it while being shot. So, it seems more so like he had been drinking it and it had fallen. Right. Not... And I'm guessing more details than just the fact that it was there. I'm sure there's, like, spillage or something that seems to show, like, he would have been drinking it or holding it. So, like, why would you have alcohol in your left hand and try to to shoot shoot yourself yourself with with the right right hand across your face? Correct. And then, also, why would you be drinking it at the time you're shooting? You know what I mean? So, I'm guessing there's evidence to elude. I don't know if anybody has the case files or have looked into it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you get those. I don't think that you can. But if you're a detective and you happen to have worked this case or have access to it, um, there must be something that showed to them that. Yes. 
it wasn't just that he was holding it in the left hand right. and it had fallen. Hmm. There's got to be something that says it's a little suspect. Right. Um, also, the gun used in the shooting was found to have fired two shots, only one of which had killed Williams. So two shots have been fired. <clears throat> Does so it say they the collected other... a bullet? Yeah, where'd it go then? Don't know. Um, so well, there's only so many places for it to go. Correct. Into the car or through a window or, right. you know. But doesn't... So, and that's a big teller. So depending on which side of yeah. him that second bullet is found on... And if you're killing where yourself, go? for the most part, you don't miss. Right. I mean, it's close range. Because if you do, you're, you're probably just going to end up bleeding out. Right. Like, if you don't kill yourself the first time, mm-hmm. which yeah. sounds a little weird to talk about. But, yeah. you know, my guess is you just... Right. Just, I mean, you still hate yourself, you just don't die. Or you will eventually. Right, If exactly. no one finds you in time. Exactly. Anyway, so... Well... Yeah, I'm not exactly so. sure, but, um... If you don't know, The Temptations are a great band. Mm-hmm. They have lots of hits. They're very known. Um, they were inducted into... or He was inducted after he passed into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1989. Yeah. And in the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 1999. Um, and then Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame in 2013. Um, they never released his solo recordings, but... They were later released in the 1980s and 1990s. Um, They were Temptations-related compilations, so not direct Temptation things, but related. Um, Also, there was um, the music video for Diana Ross' song, Missing You, pays tribute to Marvin Gaye, Florence Ballard, and Paul Williams, who are all former Motown artists who had died. Um... So, I'll just end it on playing a little bit um, of his voice for you so you can hear it. Um, It's good stuff. So, yeah. There you go. A happy note. A little taste of so um, cute. Those Mr. lyrics. Paul. I are know. The I best. was just thinking the same thing. Like, man, they just don't write songs like that anymore, do they? Well, Ed Sheeran's "Perfect" kind of comes as far as like modern, like poppy. I don't know. I haven't heard it. Oh, it's really good. I have it. I'll play it for you after. Okay. I mean, it's simple. Right. Sometimes those are nice. Yeah. I don't know what these kids these days are saying half the time. So I learned who Halsey is the other day. Oh, I could. I mean, I know. Well, I don't, I don't always know who people are, but sometimes. 
Hi, I'm Kim. And I'm Felicia. And we're from the Harry Potter Revisited podcast. Each episode is based on the next chapter in the series. We make inappropriate jokes and crass comments along the way. Check out Harry Potter Revisited on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Bye, Felicia. Someone trying to break in your house? Um, I don't think so. Oh, I bet it's my neighbors. Because my neighbor's door is right there also. Yeah. If you it felt like it sounded pretty close. So anyway. Well, on that okay. note, that's that. So, okay, we're moving on. Because, all right, not too bad. I'm trying to make this one quick. Um, so my next is Sam Cook. If you don't know who Sam Cook is, oh my god, also do yourself another favor and look him up. Um, he uh, was born January 22nd, 1939, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, U.S. He is born Cook, no E. Um, he later added the Cook to. Added the E? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Long day. Added the E um, at the end of his name to signify a new start to his life. I have a feeling it has something to do with his transition from gospel to mm-hmm. um, secular music, if you will. <laughs> um, so, um, he was the fifth of eight children of the Reverend Charles Cook, a minister of the Church of Christ Holiness, and his wife, Annie May. Lord. Fannie May. Shout <laughs> out Beyonce. Wait, what? Or was it Annie Mae in her song? It's probably Annie Mae. I have no idea. Anyway. What, that's a song? Well, no. It's like okay. a line in a song. It's not quite the song. Anyway. Got it. Um, I think it's Annie Mae. Not important. <laughs> the family moved to Chicago in 1933, so he would have been two. Mm-hmm. Um, Cook attended the Doolittle Elementary. Cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wendell Phillips... Academy High School in Chicago, which was the same school that Nat King Cole had attended a few years earlier. Um, Sam Cook began his career with his siblings in a group called the Singing Children. Very original. Oh, yes. When he was six years old. Um, he first became known as lead singer with the Highway QCs when he was a teenager, having joined the group at the age of 14. Um... During this time, Cook befriended fellow gospel singer and neighbor Lou Rawls, who sang in a rival gospel group. Rival. Hmm. I don't know why it's rivalries. Jesus wouldn't want that. They've got to argue for the Lord. Please. Okay. Um, Cook was often credited for bringing gospel music to the attention of a younger crowd of listeners, many mainly girls who had rushed to the stage when the soul stirrers hit the stage just to get a glimpse of Cook. So... Backup info is in 1950, he joined a group, the Soul Stirrers. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, his crossover pop success came through. Um, he had 30 U.S. top 40 hits between 1957 and 1964, so wow. a lot. Um, and then three more after he passed. Um, major hits like You Send Me, A Chain Is Gonna Come, Cupid, Chain Gang, Chain Gang, Wonderful World, Another Saturday Night, and Twistin' the Night Away. Not any of my favorite. Nope. Um, Twistin' the Night Away, the album, was one of his biggest selling albums. 
he was also among the first modern black performers and composers to attend the biz attend to the business side of his musical career. Mm-hmm. He founded both a record label and a publishing company as an extension of his careers as a single singer and composer. And he also took a part an active part in the civil rights movement. So busy wow. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um he his first pop slash soul singer was Lovable in nineteen fifty six, which I mean, was the same. <laughs> <laughs> it was a remake of the gospel song Wonderful, and it was released under his alias, mm. Duke Silver. <laughs> no. Yes. Dale Cook. Cook with no E this time. I love it. Um, in order to not alienate his gospel fan base, because, well, gospel singers singing secular music was a no no. Um, Unfortunately, nobody was fooled because his voice was so distinct. Um, People knew who it was right away. Should have worn a fedora. Yes. Um, After an argument between the label owner, um, he left. Oh. So. So they're like, you're going to sing our music. He's like, I'm going to sing whatever the fuck I want. Basically, yeah. Um, They weren't happy with what he was doing, so he parted ways with them. Um... So, he started his own record label in 1961, SAR Records, with J.W. Alexander and his manager, Roy Crane. Um, So, they signed a couple of acts, and one of his first RCA singles was... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, The label soon included The Sims Twins, The Valentinos... Bobby Womack and Johnny Taylor. Um, Cook then created a publishing imprint and management firm named CAGS before leaving Keene to sign with RCA Victor. So he ended up leaving his own record label. Well, I don't know why. But one of his first singles on RCA were Chain Gang, which reached number two on the Billboard pop chart. It was followed by more hits, including Sad Mood, Cupid, Bring It On Home To Me. Yes. Hmm. With Lou Rawls on backing vocals, Another Saturday Night, and Twisting the Night Away. Hmm. Um, so, he was a prolific songwriter and wrote most of the songs he recorded. Wow. So, typically, that means not only, like, lyrics, but you're writing the instrument parts yeah. and the actual music for it. So, I think that's pretty notable to say. Um, it's also a lot of freaking work. It is a lot of work. Like, you have to be passionate about what yeah. you do. hmm I agree. Um, unfortunately, Cook died at the age of 33 on December 11, 1964 at the Hacienda Motel in Los Angeles, California. Um, so, I'll try to give a little synopsis what happened. It's a little bit long, but um, police had answered separate reports of a shooting and kidnapping at that same motel when they found Cook's body clad only in a sports jacket and shoes, no shirt, no pants, no underwear. He had sustained a gunshot wound to the chest, which was later determined to have pierced his heart, causing his death. Yikes. Um, The motel's manager, Bertha Franklin, said that she had shot Cook in self-defense after he broke into her office residence and attacked her. Mm -hmm. Her account was immediately disputed by Cook's acquaintances. Right. But why? So, 
Um, the official police record states that Franklin Bailey shot Cook, who had checked in earlier that evening. Franklin claimed that Cook had broken into the manager's office apartment in a rage, wearing nothing but a shoe and a sports coat, demanding to know the whereabouts of a woman who had accompanied him to the hotel. Franklin said the woman was not in the office and that she told Cook this, but the enraged Cook did not believe her and violently grabbed her, demanding again to know the woman's whereabouts. According to Franklin, she grappled with Cook the two of them fell to the floor, and she then got up and ran to retrieve a gun. She, sh- she said she then fired at Cook in self-defense because she feared for her life. Cook was struck once in the torso. According to Franklin, he exclaimed, Lady, you shot me, before mounting a last charge at her. She said she beat him over his head with a broomstick before he finally fell, mortally wounded by the gunshot. Wow. So... But wait, why would he bust out of the room naked? I mean, he was wearing a sports coat, yes, but... And if he had shoes on... A shoe. A shoe. Oh, one singular shoe. One shoe. shoe. Um, so that being said, the motel's owner, Evelyn Carr, claimed that she'd been on the telephone with Franklin at the time of the incident. Mm-hmm. Carr claimed to have overheard Cook's intrusion in the ensuing conflict and gunshot. She called the police to request that officers go to the motel, telling them she believed... Oh, excuse me. I don't know I'm so tired. She believed a shooting had occurred. Uh, a coroner's inquest was convened to investigate the incident. Uh, the woman who had accompanied Cook to the motel was identified as Elisa Boyer, who had also called the police that night shortly before Carr had. Boyer had called from a telephone booth near the motel, telling them she just escaped being kidnapped. So that's Whoa. the kidnapping part of the situation. Okay, so, so according to <clears throat> Boyer, mm-hmm. she had been kidnapped by Sam Cook. Correct. And was trying to escape the motel. Mm-hmm. And Sam Cook came after her, but then couldn't figure out where she went, so went into the manager's office. Correct. And is all where she at. Correct. So Boyer claims or told police that she had first met Cook earlier that night and they'd spent the evening in his company. Mm-hmm. She claimed that that after they left a local nightclub together, she had repeatedly requested that he take her home, but he instead took her against her will to the Hacienda Motel. Hmm. She claimed that once in one of the motel's rooms, Cook physically forced her onto the bed and that she was certain he was going to rape her. According to Boyer, when Cook stepped into the bathroom for a moment, she quickly grabbed her clothes and ran from the room. She claimed that in her haste, she had also scooped up most of Cook's clothing by mistake. She said she ran first to the manager's office and knocked on the door seeking help. However, she said that the manager took too long in responding, so fearing Cook would soon be coming after her, she fled from the motel before the manager ever opened the door. She said she then put her clothing back on, hid Cook's clothing, went to a telephone booth, and called police. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Boyer's story is the only account of what happened between her and Cook that night. However, her story has long been called into question. Inconsistencies between her version of events and details reported by diners at Martoni's restaurant, where Cook dined and drank earlier in the evening, suggest that Boyer may have gone willingly to the motel with Cook, then slipped out of the room with his clothing in order to rob him, rather than to escape an attempted rape. Cook was reportedly carrying much more money at Martoni's 
than the 108 cash found at his death scene. And Boyer was arrested for prostitution in January 1965, though the charge was dismissed and she accrued no more notoriety. Unfortunately, questions about her role were beyond the scope of the inquest. So, the only purpose was to figure out why he was shot. And why Franklin shot him. Oh, fuck. Um... So, Boyer's leaving the motel room with almost all of Cook's clothing, and the fact that tests show Cook was inebriated at the time provided a plausible explanation to the inquest jurors for Cook's bizarre behavior and state of dress. And because Carr's testimony corroborated Franklin's version of events, and because both Boyer and Franklin later passed lie detector tests, which we all know are not truthful... The coroner's jury ultimately accepted Franklin's explanation and returned a verdict of justifiable homicide. And then the case was closed. Shit. Right. Did she get any time? No. If it's justifiable, you don't, right? No. No, you don't. It's justifiable, so it doesn't matter. Um, So, um, his family supporters have rejected Boyer's version of events, as well as those given by Franklin and Carr. They believe there was some sort of <clears throat> conspiracy to murder Cook and that the murder took place in some manner entirely different from the three official accounts. Singer Edit James. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm sure it would not lie to a soul in her life. No, never. Um, viewed Cook's body before his funeral and questioned the accuracy of the official version of events. She wrote that the injuries she observed were well beyond the official account of Cook having fought Franklin alone. James wrote that Cook was so badly beaten that his head was nearly separated from his shoulders, his hands were broken and crushed, and his nose mangled. Holy shit. Yep. Some people speculate that Cook's manager, Alan Klein, might have had a role in his death Klein owned Tracy Limited, which ultimately owned all rights to Cook's recordings. Mm. Unfortunately, no concrete evidence supporting a criminal conspiracy has been presented to date. Jeez. Yep. Um, It's very sad. Um, I mean, he was married a couple times. Um, I don't believe um, his second him and his second wife had three children Linda, Tracy, and Vincent Vincent died at two he had drowned in the family swimming pool Um, and he had three other children at least three it says out of wedlock so I mean he got around yeah Um, but that's not uncommon in that day or this right, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I don't know if it's as cut and dry as they make it seem. I don't see any personally. reason for him to have kidnapped her. I mean, he was Sam Cook. He could have had any, I know, any so girl handsome. he wanted to. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for him to have Stolen, quote I mean, unquote, a prostitute. Or, excuse me, a sex worker. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. And honestly, she would be so lucky. Right. Exactly. But I feel like okay, if that's if she was a sex worker of sorts. Right. Um. It could have been employed by the manager, his manager, to like send her there. Oh, maybe get her there. 
do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not even, maybe not to murder him, maybe just to get him in trouble. Sure. Um, for kidnapping and, like, alleged rape, you know, that would be right. a big and tarnisher in that time. Giant um, publicity yes. situation. Yes, be a huge issue. So my thing is <clears throat> then in a drunken state, did he go down to the office Right. And really just startle her. Was it really... Did he mean to barge in and freak out? Right. Did, did he really barge in and freak out? Or did she open the door? Scared. Right. Or was she just startled and terrified because he was drunk? And I guess that she's not black. I don't know. I yeah, I guess up. in that time, a black man coming and banging on your... And drunk. ...motel yeah. door screaming is going to mm-hmm. be... Mm-hmm. ...alarming. Yeah. Sure. Um, Especially a naked black man. I think... I'm very interested. I feel like it's interesting that... um, She happened to be on the... Phone. Sure. At the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she was black. Hmm. Either way, I mean, if she's alone in her sure. office. Sure. It's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I'd be terrified. Sure. Yeah, you definitely. Um, I wonder if she got hate mail. She did. She got a lot of it. So yes. much so she left her job. Fuck. Um, and then she did not go back. She didn't tell anybody where she moved to. She did sue his estate. They sued back. She won. Um, so he was in a glass-covered coffin. Aww. And this was a time when people took a lot of pictures at funerals, mm-hmm. so I'll go ahead and show you. Yes. Um, that's him oh. in his coffin. I almost don't even recognize him. Yeah. But I feel like it's always that way. Yeah. So, um, oh, my God. Are those all of his kids? I, I'm he guessing so there's some kids. of them. It doesn't, does it say it's his kids? No, but it no. looks like they might be. They probably. Probably. Um, so lots of them. Why else would very small children be gathered around a castle? I don't know. They could be anybody. <clears throat> um, my guy's, like, taken out. It looks like a dolly. It's not a dolly, but it looks like a dolly. Um, I think this boyer is perhaps Asian? I'm going to look her up. Hang on. I mean, I hadn't really looked into any pictures of anybody sure. before. So, um, But an Asian girl keeps popping up. So, yes. Ooh. Found a crime scene. Ooh, where? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's sad. This is very sad. Um. Oh, but the door's broken down. It's yeah. literally broken down. Oh, shit. Look at the frame. I see that. I brought... Sorry, I pulled it up. At oh, the same no worries. After you. Um. I mean... 
It very well, I mean, he could have been angry. He could have thought she was hiding in there with all of his stuff and knew he'd, like, been scammed out. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, Interesting. So, anyway, lots to speculate about. Mm Mm-hmm. Do your research. I don't know. I didn't do much. This is just Wikipedia. So, um... Another thing, um, my last and final, I guess. Uh, oh, before I go, I'll play you a little bit of his. Oh, um, yes. My favorite song by him, and I think Aaron's as well. Ugh, yes, definitely so, mine. Um, here we go. very sad I'd like to hope that what was said is not true right you never know we're not there so I can't say that's true it's all alleged Mm mhm right um welcome to speculation station yep pretty much I'm Nicole Finari and I'm Stacey Moore and we're the hosts of Movies That Matter the podcast about recent films going above and beyond the call of box office returns to boldly explore a social issue affecting people's lives Nothing's off limits. From art house films to action blockbusters to animated kids' movies, every film has something to say, whether we like it or not. Check out Movies That Matter on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, because movies matter. And so do you. So, next up, um, my final mysterious one is Robert Gaston Fuller. Gaston. I left this out before Mm. when telling you, but AKA Bobby Fuller. And he is of the Bobby Fuller Four. Uh, He was born October 22nd, 1942, in Baytown, Texas. Um, He has a maternal older half brother, Jack, and a younger brother, Randy. Uh, The Fuller family moved to Salt Lake City when he was a small child, and he remained there until 1956 when he and his family then moved to El Paso, Texas. Um, His father got a job at the El Paso Natural Gas at that time. It also happened to be the same year that Elvis Presley became popular, and Bobby Fuller became mesmerized by the new rock and roll star, because who's not? Aaron. Aaron's literally the only person who's not. Um... I mean, I like good music, so... His music's great. Fuller soon adopted the style of fellow Texan Buddy Holly, fronting a four-man combo and often using original material. Yes. Um, So, during the early 1960s, he played in clubs and bars in El Paso, and he recorded on independent record labels in Texas with a constantly changing lineup 
The only constant band members were Fuller and his younger brother, Randy, um, on bass. So, he also, um, let's see, most of these independent releases were recorded in Fuller's own home studio, with Fuller acting as the producer. He even built an echo chamber in the backyard. Not very good. It's a primitive one, so don't get too excited. Kind of like our little home studios that we have here. Um, In 1964, Fuller moved with his band, the Bobby Fuller Four, to Los Angeles and was signed to Mustang Records by producer Bob Keane, who was noted for discovering Richie Valens and producing many surf music groups. Mm. Surfing USA, right? <laughs> yep. um, is it a horn or is it a trumpet? What's I, happening? It's literally Pogo the Clown, a.k.a. John Wayne Gacy, is creeping outside of this apartment. <laughs> Lord. Um, <clears throat> so the group consisted of Fuller and his brother Randy on vocals slash guitar and bass, respectively. Jim Reese on guitar and Dwayne Cadrico. That's how I'm going to choose mm. to say that. On drums, this was the lineup that recorded I Fought the Law. Um... So, at the time when the British Invasion and folk rock were the dominant genres in rock, Fuller stuck to Buddy Holly's style of classic rock and roll with Tex-Mex flourishes. His recordings, both covers and original, show the influences of Eddie Cochran, the Beatles, Elvis Presley, Little Richard, and the Everly Brothers, as well as surf guitar. Um, His first top 40 hit, though not on the Billboard Hot 100, was the self-penned Letter Dance. His second hint, I Fought the Law, peaked at number 9 on the Billboard Hot 100 on March 12th through the 19th in 1966. The song was originally written and recorded by Sonny Curtis, who became a member of Buddy Holly's former group, The Crickets, after Holly's death. Um, So, unfortunately, it wasn't long after I Fought the Law became a top 10 hit. In fact, it was only a few months that Fuller was found dead in an automobile parked outside his Hollywood apartment. The Los Angeles deputy medical examiner, Jerry Nelson, performed the autopsy. Um, according to Dean Cooper's K-U-I-P-E-R-S? Sure. Sure. I'm not exactly sure who he is or where he plays into this, but he... The report states that Bobby's face, chest, and side were covered in petechial hemorrhages, probably caused by gasoline vapors and the summer heat. Yikes. So he's suffocated? Basically. But, like, gasoline vapors. Yeah. But he was outside. Yeah. That's not... That's not a thing. Like, in his car. Yeah. Right. Unless there was a tube... Went maybe so the, right like so tail? like you'd have to make something like that yeah. happen. I feel like this corner's just lazy. Um, <laughs> Get it together. Come he on. found no bruises, no broken bones, no cuts, no evidence of beating. So, but the boxes for accident and suicide <clears throat> were checked, and next to those oh, boxes, so you just get to choose both. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. But next to the boxes were also question marks. So literally the coroner has no idea what happened. The coroner's like, I don't fucking know. Wait, when was this? What year? This was um, Was a few months after 19, after I Fought the Law, which came out 66. Okay, so chances are this coroner was high. I mean, dad literally just didn't care. I mean, because... 
Yeah. Isn't there an unknown box? I well, maybe this is the reason that there's well, an there, unknown box. This very well could be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> there's an unknown box. I don't box. fucking know. I think there's an That's unknown. That's amazing. I think the coroner literally was just like, I, I don't know. I mean, accident, suicide, both. Like, I've got to get to lunch. Yeah. I don't fucking know. He has hemorrhages. Figure it out. That's Good it. luck. He died. But, like, what other evidence, aside from the fact that he was in his car by himself, right. shows that there would be gas vapors. There's no reason for like, them to be. I mean, it's not like the the word probably caused by. So there's no evidence that it was actually caused so, by gasoline vapors. And nobody decided to look into it further? No. You can see why this is frustrating. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, despite this official, and I use the term official very loosely in this case, cause of death, some commentators believe Fuller was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Eric Green, who is a relative of Sam Cook, yay, um, has cited similarities in the death of Cook and Fuller. Um, I'm guessing the similarities being its unusual circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we know that Cook was killed with a gun. Right. Um, but those things leading up to that point mm-hmm. are out of character, strange. Random, weird. Correct. Not okay. seemingly right. Not normal for him. Correct. Um, so could it be he was drugged by her at the, you know what I mean? Like Ooh, maybe. While they were drinking at the bar or something. Um yeah. And at that time, losing all of your money and all of your identification mm-hmm. was huge. Right. How else yeah. do you say that you're that exactly. person? You know what I mean? And you have like, no change. You can't call anyone. Correct. You know, like, who are you going to... Yeah. So, a big deal. Um, so, this is a little bit of a crazy statement, but Fuller bandmate Jim Reese suspected that Charles Manson played a role in Fuller's death. But there's been no credible evidence provided by him well, of that. So it seems like that's just a very big conspiracy theory. But even Manson to that, didn't start killing people really until '69. Well, you know, could have been a first start. You know how people so. have cats usually. <laughs> it starts with one. Well, but here's the thing. I agree with you that like there's no other evidence that says it's a suicide. Right. Like no one says he was drunk. And passed out. There's right. nothing that shows. And, I mean, he's in an apartment parking lot. Mm-hmm. So there's people. It's open, yeah. Right. It's open, and there's people coming at some point mm. in time. You know, so somebody would have had to have seen him. It's very weird. And it's a weird way to kill yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to... a suffering. Do it. Like, do it. I mean, it. I guess some people do that. But, like, you'd have to plug up the muffler, and it doesn't mm-hmm. say any of that was the case. Like, right. it, literally, if you don't know, if the coroner is checking accident and suicide and, and putting, question putting question marks, marks. I mean, Fuck, I want to do that be, at my job. I know. There literally can't be any evidence that says that's what happened. How is that okay? You're just guessing. Like, how is that? You're Maybe. literally just guessing. Because this is a high-profile case. So what happened Huge. to his, his low-profile cases? Was he just, Same like, thing. probably a bear? I don't and, know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably. Fuck. I want to put question marks next to everything, too, in life. Same. I don't know. Like, when my credit card company is like, are you going to pay us money this month? Maybe. I don't know. Check the boxes. Could be. Maybe. Question mark. 
accidentally Shit. probably not question mark unknown um so yeah it doesn't there's no evidence providing that he actually was suicidal there's nothing to provide that he that there was some kind of tube running the gas tank to the car right. and that's and he did do it and why would you do it there in exactly. the middle of a in parking the middle lot of the- Right. I mean, wouldn't you want a little bit of privacy? Yeah. You'd probably go to, like, the woods or, like... Or a park. Yeah, like... Like, at dark. At dark where time. there's no yeah. one there. At dark yes. time. At dark time. Yes. Nighttime. God, I need coffee. Um, Same. It's too late, but I need it. Um, it's never too late for coffee. It can be. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Well... So, if any of you shit. have any more info on this... I don't know how you get it. But if you do have it, or you yeah. know anything more... If you know who been, that coroner is, let us know. I hope he was fired after that. Because <laughs> I just can't. I mean, that's just, like, apathy goals. Like, I wish I didn't care that much about things. Except... What's the dream? Yeah. Could you imagine if you just put a question mark in someone's eyebrows? I mean, you know, maybe. <laughs> Just, incredible. It's incredible. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I read that. I was like, because when I was researching this, I, you know, I know the band, I know the song, and I was like, okay, like, let's see what this is about. Right. And then I was like, okay, so he died in a car, okay. And then I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? But that's the like, corner just decided so that it was. So that's his literal job. Like, that's his job description. You were supposed to go in. And, and find out why these bodies and figure out what the reason was, along with the evidence that not right. only the body gives you, yes. but that you're getting from a crime scene. I wonder what the cops did with that. Were they just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, uh, probably nothing, because when something's marked a suicide, but it was also it's marked just over a homicide, right, or an accident? Accident. So, and saying that like he killed himself on accident. Maybe. How do you accidentally Probably. kill yourself, but also suicidally kill yourself? You can't. It's not the same thing. They're very different. Get it together, coroner. Come Again, on. he says, probably caused by gasoline vapors probably. and the summer heat. I mean, or so other things, is there maybe. evidence of the gas vapors? Like, again, are we running tubes from the tank in the back to the front? Right. Is the muffler got a sock in it? Like, what do we have? It's, it's not, not a thing. thing. It's not a thing. So, more to that point, um, his death was actually profiled in a segment of Unsolved Mysteries. And his death was also explored in the May 11, 2015 episode of the NPR program, All Things Considered. The program referenced the book, I Fought the Law, The Life and Strange Death of Bobby Filler by Miriam Linna, with contributions by Randy Fuller, his younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime after the Unsolved Mystery segment in question initially aired, the cause of Fuller's death was officially changed from suicide to accident. Because so then again, it wasn't really. says it's because the fucking coroner's office was getting so many letters. Like, what I'm sorry, you have to pick one. Yeah, well, you do. Yeah, but it also so like, well, they just go in and like cross out suicide with a pencil or a pen and be like, okay, mistake <laughs> or erase the line they drew white through out. it. Yeah, white it out. Um, Scribble it out. Yeah. So. Anyway, I'll go ahead and play a little bit of the I Fought the Law. Um, but I will say that if you don't know this song by them, you probably know it by somebody. 
The Clash. Um, the Clash. AKA it's better there. <laughs> I mean, I do love them. They're one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Um, their cover is amazing. But you could also listen to it by the Dead Kennedys, which actually deals with Harvey mm-hmm. Milk and George Moscone, um, and Dan White, who had assassinated them both. Um, and then um, also Mike Ness of Social Distortion does like a country version of it. So, yeah, you've got a few options. If you haven't heard it from them, you've heard it by somebody. I'm sure of it. If you've never heard it at all, oh, my God, it's only one of the most, I mean, I guess legendary rock and roll songs that there is. Oh, yeah. So, um, in that event, here it goes for the Bobby Fuller 4. And there, I thought the law. hear a little bit of surf guitar Mm -hmm. in there but while Mm -hmm. i look up the version by the clash i would like to point out just for sam that there is a japanese all-female punk band called thug murder oh yep it's true um no sublime radio don't so wait are they murdering thugs or are they i don't know murderers wait it's just thug murder Hmm. And they do a punk ska take on the song. So I'm that's, sure that's amazing. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard it yet, but... Um, I was very into ska for a very long time. Yeah, well, okay. Who wasn't? Not that Clash song, this one. <laughs> so here you go. It's the Clash version. go into it like a mall and just steal a bunch of shit to a montage of that song yeah i um <clears throat> bought the london calling album yeah when i was like oh 14 15 15 just about maybe i went 15th birthday when we were in chicago mm-hmm. at oh it was probably like a barnes and nobles in downtown chicago because they have CDs there. Yep. Or did. Did. Anyway. Not a books a million. It would have been like Barnes & Nobles in downtown Chicago. hmm And back when you had to carry a CD player with you to listen to any music, mm-hmm. not your phone. That anti-skip bullshit lie. God. Yeah. Um, I just pretty much listened to that 
city the whole time. Yes. My whole flight home, mm-hmm. the whole time there when I didn't have to interact mm-hmm. with family and we mm-hmm. were just walking around. It's one of the best albums. Yeah, Maybe so ever. you were all, you were like a pensive 14-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, that was me. You know. I was um, in Tijuana, Mexico with a church missions trip, and I listened to <laughs> the Beatles, the, um, the White Album, the whole time. Oh, my God. Yeah, so everything was very... So, I can't find Thug Murder on iHeartRadio, so I'll see if I can find them on YouTube, because I'm very curious mm-hmm, about a ska mm-hmm. version of I Fought the Law. Yeah. Um, not that we need to listen to every version, but this one seems pretty interesting. I googled it and I found it. Oh! You're faster than me. Okay. I mean, play it. Let's do it. Go for it. Let's do it! Look at the video too. Fantastic. Look it up. Um, worth every moment. So, also, if you don't know anything about The Clash or Joe Strummer, he did go on after The Clash disbanded. Um, and he did, I <laughs> disbanded, they broke up, which is very sad because they're a great band. Um, he did cover the song with new projects such as The Pogues and The Mescaleras. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about The Pogues? I don't. Okay. They're very Irish. Ben, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so he's not really the lead singer, but um, I think on some stuff that he is. I don't want a freaking YouTube survey. Skip survey. What? So this is a live video of him with the Pogues, which have a totally different sound than mm-hmm. the Clash. So I'm sorry if the quality is bad, but this is like. 1982, so get over it. Well, we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'd like to introduce a friend of ours. His name is Joe Strummer. Yeah! tune of, of a slightly different kind uh, written by Sonny Curtis and uh, Andrew's going to bang this one out. Sort of like Irish traditional punk band. Mm. <laughs> so it's a different take, same voice, yes. but a different speed. It just goes um, to show the influence that one that song. Had. I yeah. mean, like you know, Sonny Curtis wrote it and sang it and mm-hmm. recorded it, but it really became popular. <sighs> By um, 
you know, Bobby Fuller mm-hmm. putting it out and getting right. it to the top 40. So he's really the one who's responsible, and it's really right. a shame um, they didn't go on to do more because they only yeah. had, like, two albums in general, and that was basically it. And one was even released after he passed, right. like, in the 80s as some sort of, like, let's remember the good old days of Mustang Records. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, to his his life, but he had a huge influence on everything, and then the Clash made it even more influential. And sure, almost every time there's some big political thing, you can always yep find it yep in this song yep or make it work. So <laughs> very sad, but <clears throat> those are my three. Those yeah. are my very long three. Sorry, thanks if you no, stuck no. around. Thanks, I just they thought were they good. were all yeah. Interesting. And tie in, so that's yeah, even and hopefully better. it just starts a conversation of we Maybe. should hire better corners who don't just <laughs> put question say. marks <laughs> next to people. Uh, if you're thing. gonna do your job, do it well. I feel I'm glad. I hope there's an unknown don't. box. Somebody send me a proper corner sheet and yeah. please don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. That's right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um. So makeup tip, beauty mm-hmm. tip beauty tip this week Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with waterproof mascara don't wear it unless you have to you're gonna end up pulling out all your lashes really yeah it's a bad time no yes what you should do is remove it properly right but so, people aren't going to do that. No, it's not a thing. Get that's an oil happen. cleanser. Let's go back to we, the last okay, episode. But we get an oil as put together as you are. You need to be. Can't. If there's nothing else, you do. You can put a wipe I everywhere else. Pick at my lashes throughout the day. <sighs> that's your problem. And then they fall out. Someone I mean, else out there has this issue. Look, I'm sure I get a lot of people who are naysayers about waterproof. I wear it every day, but I have the worst allergies in my eyes. Right, water. Right, Non-stop. so you have to. Yes. Don't wear it unless you have to. I guess so. But I also think it's a, the formula is always a little thicker than the regular. I'm all about thick lashes, so if people <laughs> complain about, like, oh, I don't like clumpy or, like, thick, I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> That's not me. Sorry. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Don't okay, little, fine. Don't, don't wear it unless you have to. Whatever. Yeah, don't but if you do wear it, remove it properly. Don't yes. pull out your eyelashes. Exactly. Or get lash extensions. Or do that. Yeah. But again, go to someone who knows what they're doing. Yes, please, God. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has lots of clients and you're not their first mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. And then don't remove those unless you know exactly what you're doing. Because you will pull out all of your eyelashes yes, and it will be will. a very bad time. Absolutely. So don't do that either. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. Wonderful. That's a good one, I guess. It's fine. <sighs> Just that's, kidding. That's our podcast. Yay, that's it. So Fucking deal with look it. into it. If you have more facts, email us. Um, our oh. Instagram is FAM Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Twitter is FAM Pod. Because mm-hmm. apparently somebody else has Come FAM on. Podcast. So maybe they'll give it up when they realize maybe. it's not popular. Right. Um, and then our email is fame, spelt and spelled out, misfortune. Also at, spelled out. Also spelled <laughs> out at gmail.com. Yep. We'll get we'll get good at this. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google yep. Play, yep. Spotify, yep. iHeartRadio. Yep. St- no, I said Stitcher. Pot- Potomatic? Potomatic. 
Are we on Spotify? Now? I don't did you say know. Spotify? I think I did. I don't, I don't know. know. It's fine. We're either on there or not. If we're not, we're sorry. We're on iHeartRadio, iTunes, our own website, which you can access through our Instagram mm-hmm. page. Yep. Um, Podomatic, where we started, mm-hmm. gave us birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess yeah. that's it. So listen where you want. Yeah. Ultimately. Rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe. If you do Share nothing us. else, please subscribe. Just fucking click the button. It's fine. Click the button. Yeah. Move on. It's fine. That's our podcast. It is. Fucking do it. We appreciate it. it. Goodbye. That's it. Bye.